Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Um, I'm now going to welcome Simon, who's going to carry on the Red Letter series. I just thought I might need to give you some context. Anybody who doesn't know who Andy is, you're a visitor today. He's a, he's a homeless guy we worked with for a number of, a uh, couple of years, uh, who regrettably got himself into trouble and got himself into prison. And that's why we're still supporting him while he's, uh, while he's there. So uh, that's Andy. Okay, continuing with our Red Letter series today. I thought we'd start with a bit of Lion King. Who doesn't like Lion King? Who doesn't like... See, 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 you see it's a double <laughs> negative just to see whether anyone was listening. Do you know, the original came out in 1994. How old do you feel? 25th anniversary. And I've turned it from a cartoon into a photorealistic film. Anyone been to see it yet? What's, what do we think? Big thumbs up. Okay, well, I thought we'd uh, show a comparison between Hakuna Matata in the original and the mod. And you can make a decision which one you think is better. So watch the screens. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's a problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Now, I think from that, the original's got it, don't you? Mm, Okay, I'll have to go and see it. I'll have to go and see it. I know social media is rife with uh, lots of, uh, you know, positives and negatives around uh, around the new film. Hakuna Matata, it was... Timon and Pumbaa's life mantra, wasn't it? What does it mean? It means no worries. You've just sung it. It means it's Swahili for no worries, no problems. And that was their life mantra. That's what they lived by. They hid themselves away in this jungle paradise and they forgot the rest of the world. It was no worries, no problems. That's what they did. That's how they coped with the stress of life. You might be surprised to know that Hakuna Matata is not in the Bible. But Jesus did speak about worry, and that's what I want to speak about today. He spoke about worry uh, in Matthew 6. So why don't we, uh, if you've got a phone or a Bible, whatever else you want to use, I'll put the words on the screen. We'll start looking at Matthew 6 from verse 25. Hakuna Matata. This is what Jesus said. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans are after all these things, 
and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yes. (laughs) Worry is something that is, I think, present in all of our lives. And this whole section Jesus talked about, I think, really encourages us that Jesus... Well, Jesus understood that that to live is is to have worry. The word worry in your Bibles is uh, from the Greek word meaning don't be anxious about. Do not be anxious about. And we're made in God's image, and that is wonderful. We have these wonderful attributes, but we also have this God-given ability to be able to think about the future, to be able to think about an hour's time, to be able to think about tomorrow, think about a week's time, think about a year's time, even think about the end of our lifetime. And that's a God-given innate ability that is within humankind. Animals don't have worry in that way because they don't think about tomorrow. Simone and Pumbaa were quite right. They lived that world where there were no worries. They weren't conscious of, in reality, what could happen tomorrow. So it's an amazing gift that we have to conceive time and to think about time also can bring us worry and also can bring us anxiety. And Jesus understood this when he said, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. We can't hide ourselves away in a jungle hideaway, can we? even though it might be quite nice to do so. We can't just you know, put our heads in the sand and pretend that life doesn't exist. We live in a very complex, changing world, more so than ever. A very worrying world with lots of crazy things happening at, at, at country level that are just so mind-blowing. And so the capacity for worry is all around us. We need to begin by understanding that worry, actually, at its basis level, is quite helpful. It's quite helpful. If you came face-to-face with a real lion and not a cartoon one, then a degree of worry would be helpful. Because it would condition your body to do what's called fight or flight. You'd be able to either... I don't think either would really help in this situation, but you know, it would give you adrenaline to run away from the lion or it would give you adrenaline to try and fight for your life against the line, have that fight or flight, or, or even freeze, they reckon now as well as the third one, but uh, in terms of how you'd respond to that situation, the worry of seeing something like a line up close would create a positive, helpful change in your body. It, worry helps us survive in emergency situations. But we don't face lions, do we, like this on a day-to-day basis. We don't face those sort of things in our normal lives. We face different kinds of... Of situations. Jesus isn't saying don't worry about lions. Jesus isn't saying don't worry about emergencies. He's talking about an anxiety that can seep into our lives if we let worry become too dominant. Millions and millions of pounds are spent every year globally treating people with anxiety because of worry and anxiety. Anxiety, it's worse, can lead to depression. It can lead to relationship breakdown. It can lead to loss of employment. So Jesus' red letters are really important on this topic, I think. Jesus wasn't giving us a blasé statement just to throw into the mix. How can the words of Jesus help us to think about worry and anxiety? 
Well, the first thing that encourages me is that Jesus clearly understood worry and anxiety, or he wouldn't be speaking about it. He understood it. He wasn't immune to it himself. He was fully human and fully God. Therefore, he would experience anxiety and worry in his human form. But he still says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Jesus knows the sort of things that we're prone to worry about. We all worry about, well normally we worry about things around our families or our security or our future. Where's our provision going to come from? Where's our security going to come from? What am I going to wear? What will people think of me? Where's my identity going to come from? Being able to comprehend the future means that we also fear the future because the future is full of unknowns. We fear the unknown. We fear what could possibly happen next. We worry what might happen to our families, our friends. We worry about our health. We worry about our jobs. We worry about all sorts of things. So Jesus responds to this overwhelming sense of worry by telling us to look to the one who created us, our heavenly father. He says this, is your life not more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? He reminds us that creation is linked to a creator. You don't live just in a random cosmic lottery. You live in an environment that has been created by a creator. And so the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, the plants, they're all linked back to the creator in the same way that you and I are. And Jesus places a higher value on you than a bird because you're made in his image. You're made in his image. Jesus says you're more valuable. You're more valuable. So if God is interested in those creatures, how much more is he interested in you? Will he not clothe you, you of little faith? Sometimes it's good to get out, isn't it, into into the natural sort of world and look around and see how the natural order... I just find it incredibly amazing just to see how it all comes together and all the things. I was walking with my son the other day. I said, look at a dragonfly. He said, do you think a dragonfly's got a soul, Dad? I said, look, let's just keep it simple. Let's just enjoy the dragonfly. That's the way my son thinks, you know. So we got into a big discussion around at what point does it... Anyway, we won't get into that today. But, <laughs> but just the beauty of a dragonfly. You know, that God is in creation. For the first part of my life, I didn't know that. I, was, I wasn't linked to the creator. I was linked to creation because I love natural history, but I wasn't linked to the creator. And Jesus said that when you're not linked to the creator, he, called, he used the word pagans. He says the pagans... Run after things. We use pagan like as a bad term, like, like, but pagan simply means a person who doesn't, isn't in relationship with God. He says the pagans, they run after things because they're disconnected from the creator. They live in a creation disconnected from the creator. And they do see life like a cosmic lottery. You know, what, you know anything could happen tomorrow. Anything could happen next. Life is just a game of chance, a random selection of events. The future is unpredictable. The future is hostile. When Jesus was speaking this to the disciples, not long after they went out on the Sea of Galilee and a storm came up and uh, the disciples were frightened of the water because they saw the water as being unpredictable, malevolent. It had a a, a capacity to harm. 
And so even though they were fishermen, they didn't have a natural relationship with the water because they were basically scared of it. And that's what it's like to be separated from the creator because we play this game of, it's like musical chairs. There's not enough chairs for everybody. So therefore, when the music stops, we have to grab one. So we have to grab resources. We have to grab things. We have to hang on to them because there's limited amounts of them. And we don't want to be the one who's left without. We don't want to be the one who has the lack. But Jesus said, if you're in a relationship with your father, that's not how you should live. Because he knows intimately every need that you have. So you don't have to run after it or chase it down or grab it. He knows what you need. A few verses earlier, he's taught the disciples a prayer framework. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And he's taught them to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And that sounds like quite a trite phrase now, because we've learned it in school, and it sounds a bit sort of, you know, I imagine a hobus loaf appearing on the table, and it's all a bit twee. But actually what it means really, in the original language, it means, God, give me what I need today. You know better than anybody else what my needs are, so give me what I need. I trust you to provide for me exactly what I need. And the bread term means the provision. Give me the provision that I need today, not just in the area of food, but in the area of every part of my life. Heavenly Father, you know so much about me. You know what I need. In fact, you know my needs better than I know my needs. So I trust you to provide for me, sustain me. So Jesus links us, first of all, back to the Creator and says, we need to anchor ourselves back in the love of our Father when worry begins to dominate us. And then Jesus says this, Worrying isn't productive. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Again, the original Greek was, can anyone add a cubit, which is about an arm's length, to your height? That's what the original Greek was. So can any of you, by worrying, make yourself taller? No. Apparently, I always look taller in a suit, apparently. I mean, yesterday I was wearing a suit. You look taller in a suit. I don't know. I wasn't any taller. I was still the same height. But, but, but by worrying, we can't add. We can't make ourselves grow longer. We can't make our lives longer. Worrying is utterly unproductive. It doesn't make us grow. The only thing that worry makes grow is anxiety. Worry can make anxiety grow. It can make anxious thoughts grow in us. To a greater or lesser degree, we've all got what, what are called, psychologists now call sticky minds. We've got sticky minds. And what that means is worrying thoughts can get stuck in our thinking. And we begin to obsess over these thoughts. And some of us have got more sticky minds than others. Anybody resonate with that? Okay, you might have a sticky mind. Okay, and what happens is these thoughts come into our minds and they kind of get stuck. And we begin to obsess over them and reflect over them. They go round and round and they gain strength and they gain a hold on our thinking. And the latest uh, psychology says this. The thoughts we resist persist. Okay? They all start thinking on obsessive thinking or obsessive thoughts, which you need to dig into them and find out why you're having obsessive thoughts, why you're having these strange thoughts. Get underneath the hood and really figure out why you're thinking strange things. Because when you figure out why you're thinking strange things, then you'll be able to fix them. But psychologists have now realized that we all think strange things all the time. Don't we? We all have crazy thoughts all day, don't we? Okay. What would it be like to step out in front of that truck? What would that feel like? 
Anyone saw that one? You have. And what psychologists have realized is that the more we try and resist these thoughts, the more we impair them, the more they persist. It's like me saying to you, don't think of pink elephants. Don't you dare think of a pink elephant. Don't you? Don't, none of you? <laughs> Not one of you think now of a big pink elephant wearing a hat with a daisy in it. Don't you think of that elephant? And the more we try not to, the more we resist, the more these thoughts come and they persist in our thinking. They begin to dominate our thinking. So psychologists have realised as we try and resist these thoughts, they actually take on a greater strength. The truth is we all have weird, odd thoughts all the time. They come into our minds. And for most of us, if our thinking isn't too sticky, they kind of pass out of our mind as well. But occasionally they, they get stuck. They get stuck. And they produce anxiety in us and the ability to concentrate or to rest or to focus or to do relationships well. And they affect every area of our lives. What Jesus said about this was really interesting. Because the word he said in this section about worry, do not worry, in the Greek it means take no thought which I thought was really interesting. It literally means take no thought. So what psychologists would recommend is we need to let these odd thoughts just go in the front door, go through our brains and go out the back door. We shouldn't try and arrest them. We shouldn't try and grab them and figure out why we think about them. We should just let them flow through our thinking and pass out the back door. We should literally take no thought. We shouldn't try and grab them. And that's what Jesus said all those years ago. You know, you just let them go. Just let them go. Don't try and analyse them. Don't try and figure them out. Now, I know a few of you are saying, hang on a minute, Simon. Doesn't the Bible say, take every thought captive? Who was thinking that? <laughs> it does. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Shouldn't we as Christians take every thought captive? Every thought comes into our brain, get it on the floor, cuff it, you know, figure out what it's about, shake it, conform it to Christ, and then kick it out the back door. No. Because the... Th- The two Corinthians passage is talking about thinking that is superior to God or elevating you above God. So what Paul was preaching into there was basically you might might have superior thinking. You might think your thinking is greater than God's or better than God's. And it's that sort of thinking that Paul says you need to take a hold of and bring low. Basically, you need to bring it captive to Christ and bring it submitted to Christ. That's what that sort of worry, that thought. It's a different thought completely to the word worry that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6. Okay? Two different things. And sometimes the Bible doesn't always help us in this sense because we get the same sort of sense across passages that aren't related. So Paul's saying, superior thinking, elevated thinking, bring it low, conform it to Christ. Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't give thought to. Don't give a thought to, a moment to, these things that can come as anxieties and get stuck in our thinking because they don't produce anything productive in our lives. Who, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life. Who, by worrying, can make themselves a foot taller? Imagine if you had a friend, and all that friend ever did was point out your faults. You might have a friend like this, actually. Um, All they did was just nitpick at you all day long, just point out your faults, point out your faults, point out your faults, showing you where you were making mistakes, telling you where you weren't measuring up, telling you where you were failing. Now, if you had a friend like that, you'd probably not keep them as a friend for long, would you? But most of you have got that friend in your head every day of your life. Most of you have that friend in your head every day of your life. He's telling you where you're failing, where you're not measuring up, where you're making mistakes. 
We do this to ourselves. We adopt this position of being our own worst critic. Many of us are not kind to ourselves in our thinking. Many of us don't forgive ourselves very quickly. We need to learn to love ourselves if God loves us. Jesus said, oh, you're not much more valuable than the birds, the plants. How much more does God love you? How much more does he care for you? If he loves you this much, can you love yourself a little bit too? Can you forgive yourself? If God forgives you, can you let yourself off the hook? Jesus reminds us how much God loves us, so we'll learn to love and forgive ourselves. We'll learn to love and forgive ourselves. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. As we center our lives on Christ, he will graciously provide all our needs. That's the promise in Scripture. We don't need to live in fear. Fear of lack. Fear of something happening in the future. Because ultimately we know our security is in our Heavenly Father who cares for us. Jesus also knew that worry robs us of the present. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. There's a great, great quote from the film Kung Fu Panda. Master Uguay. He says this. You are too concerned with what was and what will be. There's a saying, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That is why they call it the present. <laughs> Cheesy, yes, but true. But true. We spend so much time post-morteming the past and being worried about the future, we're often not present in the moment. Worry and anxiety robs us of being present in the moment. Jesus was the most present person who ever lived. He was utterly present in the moment, utterly engaged with the people around him, utterly present in the moment. And worry and anxiety robs us of the gift of the present. Because we don't know how many days we're going to have on this planet. We don't know. But what we do know is we're here now and we're present now. And this presence is a gift. It's a gift from God that we're present now in this moment. And Jesus lived fully in that moment in that presence. And we need to practice getting out of our heads, or even out of our phones, there I say, and living in the present, and being fully present where we are with the people around us, with the situations around us. Because we're always focusing on the past or the future or something else, we're losing the ability to enjoy that beautiful gift that God has given us. The modern sweep of mindfulness that's going through you know, the society at the moment is about us stopping and reflecting and being present. And Jesus got there way ahead of us, didn't he, again? He got there way ahead of us. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Be present today, because today is the gift that God has given you. You know, we need to try and stop and smell the roses, don't we? You heard that phrase? Anyone ever do that? Or enjoy a cloud pattern, or just enjoy a moment, or, or a, an opportunity to laugh, an opportunity to smile. All these things are enjoying the gift of the present that God has given us. And they're tremendously helpful in pushing back worry and anxiety. 
because we're not worrying about the future, we're not, we're not obsessing about, about the past, we're focusing on the present that God has given us and really helpful in dealing with worry and anxiety. And one thing you can try, which when I wrote this, I thought, I'm going to try this. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try it. Before you go to sleep, think of three things in your day that you can be thankful for. Three things that have happened during your day that you can be thankful for. Most of us go to bed worrying about what's happened during the day and fretting about what's going to happen tomorrow, don't we? But we could try, before we go to sleep, being thankful for just three simple things that might have happened that day that we can give thanks for. So when we reflect, we realise we can manage our thoughts in a more positive way. Your experience of the world is not the world. It's just your experience of the world. And you can begin to manage how you reflect and how you treat the things that happen to you and the situations you find yourself in. You can manage that filter in your mind and you can react differently to situations. The Apostle Paul writes in his letters to the church in Philippi, he writes this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Once again, following on from, from Jesus, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, direct your thoughts to thanksgiving and to prayer. And this is going to create something in you which is utterly unique, a supernatural peace that transcends, means is above every single worry that you can face. That's what the word means, to transcend. It goes beyond every situation or circumstance or worry you can face. And it will guard your heart and your mind, the two places where worry can reside, in Christ Jesus. Paul says, go to God with thanksgiving and with prayer and with worship and you will have a heart and mind that's guarded against the onslaught of worry and anxiety. Because anxiety can prevent us from doing so many things, so we're frightened. We're frightened of failing, aren't we? Who's frightened of failing? I am, all the time. Frightened of failing. Want to do things well. So we set high standards for ourselves. We set perfection standards for ourselves, and they paralyze us from doing things. I was going to write a book years ago, I've probably never got past the first few sentences. I think, that's rubbish, start again. And that's rubbish, start again. And that's rubbish, start again. And I'm setting myself too high a threshold. Too high a threshold. And anxiety can do that. We aim for something that's too high. We want the perfect time to do something, but the perfect time never comes, so we never do it. It's great fun chatting to young people. say, when's the best time to have a baby? Never. (laughs) There is no best time. It's going to be chaos whatever time you do. So just get on with it. G.K. Chesterton, the Christian philosopher, said this. A thing worth doing is worth doing badly. What did he mean by that? He wasn't, he wasn't saying that's an excuse to do things poorly. He's saying if something's worth doing, it's worth having a crack at. Even if first time round, you don't do very well. Because at least you get out the blocks. At least you begin. At least you journey. You start. And then you might surprise yourself that on the journey, things don't turn out quite as badly as you thought. Things don't tend to always turn out as badly as we worry they might. They turn out okay. So have you got something in your life that's worth doing badly? You know, that you've always thought about doing but never got around to it because you're worried about failing or you're worried about not measuring up to yourself. 
Take Justin's advice. It's worth doing, do it badly. Get yourself out the blocks. And lastly, Jesus said this. He said, the absence of worry isn't an absence of trouble. Okay? You will still have trouble in this life. Jesus did not promise you a trouble-free life, I'm sorry to say. And sometimes we think the happiness in life comes from the absence of any form of struggle. You know, we'd only be be happy if we didn't have to struggle in life. We didn't have to contend. But in reality, we are made to contend for things. That's how God has made us. We're meant to contend. This is a guy called um, Viktor Frankl. You might have heard about him. He's an Austrian Austrian psychologist as well as a Holocaust survivor. Uh, And he's written extensively on psychology. But he he was... um, captive by the Germans in the prison camps and survived. And a lot of what he learned there about human behaviour, he's taken into some psychology. And what the prison camps taught him was that meaningful struggle can be beneficial. Can be beneficial. In fact, it can be essential for a person's well-being. He said that ever more people today have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. We need to have something to live for, a meaning, something to contend for. The prisoners that he was uh, with, uh, they they sort of did this by caring for each other and supporting each other. And also, one guy came up to Victor one day and said, I just can't take anymore, I'm going to kill myself. And he said, if you kill yourself, then the Germans will have won. But if if you struggle on and live to tell the tale of what happened here, then you will have victory. And that gave that man in that horrendous situation something greater to live for, to battle against the mental anguish and the physical suffering they were enduring to help them survive. So purpose and meaning are really important for our lives. Really important. We need something to live for. And ultimately we might think deep down that we're searching for an easy life. But we're we're not. We're searching for a life of meaning. That's what really satisfies us. An easy life, you know, golf courses and cruises, isn't satisfying to the human spirit. What is satisfying is to contend for something of greater meaning than ourselves. That's what really brings us satisfaction. Jesus reminds us that we're in a, a cosmic battle. He says every day has enough trouble of its own. And the word trouble here isn't like, oh, my car won't start or Netflix is buffering. It's not that sort of trouble. The word here is evil or malice. Every day has enough evil of its own. So every day has got a certain degree of spiritual warfare that you will be part of, that you will have to endure and contend with and go through. You can't just step off the roundabout. You can't hakuna matata. You will have a certain amount of trouble, evil, in your day, in your world, that you have to contend with. And every day has a portion of it. There's the other sort of trouble that John, uh, Paul, uh, Jews mentioned in John 16, you know, there's trouble in the world, that's sort of hassle, the hassle that comes with being a Christian, persecution, different things. Every day has got a bit of trouble and a bit of evil that we have to live through, we have to contend for. The German philosopher uh, Friedrich Nietzsche said, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Now Friedrich wasn't a believer, but he, he made a profound statement there, he said, if you've got a a why to live for, you can bear almost any circumstance, any how. And we do have a reference point, don't we, in Jesus Christ. We have a why. We have a reference point. And that enables us to bear with the trouble of each day, the burdens that come along, the evil that comes along. We have a, we have a, 
We have a why that gives context for the how, the circumstance of trouble. Paul says this in, um, in Romans chapter 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's writing to believers in, in persecution who are struggling and saying, look, you know, it is hard, it is tough. You are experiencing persecution and evil, but there's a bigger perspective here. There's a bigger thing going on. There's a greater meaning taking place. And it's that anchor that enables us to keep our bearings in the midst of the world that we live in. It gives us a context for our struggle. We live in light of this greater why of Jesus Christ and the kingdom. And Vic said we're also called to live with someone else in mind. You know, live with someone else in mind. We're not just called to live as islands. So Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your God first and love your neighbor. Live with someone else in mind. As we live with someone else in mind, it massively helps our mental health. As we think about someone other than ourselves, as we get outside of our own heads and start to support other people, it's really, really important in dealing with worry and anxiety because we're living there for something greater. Victor said, think of something that if you didn't do it, then no one would do it. If you didn't do it, someone else would suffer. And when we start living that way, our mental health improves because we get out of our heads and start thinking broader and wider about other people. So once again, Jesus said, love your God and love your neighbor. That's the way to a healthy mind, a healthy life. So just in summary, guys, in John's Gospel, Jesus said this to his disciples. I have told you these things, so in me you may have peace. You may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Worry and anxiety will always be looking to make greater inroads into your life and into your mind. And we're going to face crazy years ahead, I'm sure, because what's happening globally. Um, so worry and anxiety will be trying to make greater inroads into your mind. So whether in the form of trouble or evil, we need to live in light of the kingdom, in light of what Jesus said. Jesus says, in me you may have peace. You know, you can find the eye of the storm. A little bit about what Chris talked about last week. You can find the eye of the storm. You can find that place of peace, even in the midst of crazy circumstance. And you can find the peace that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So if you're struggling with worry and anxiety today, I want to encourage you to take heart, as Jesus said. Take heart. Take heart. Allow him to come and, and sort of permeate your thinking again. Allow him to come and give you a reference point. Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added. Let's stand together. So let's just pray. Let's just invite God into I'm sure there's not one person in this room who doesn't have worry and anxiety to some degree. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come into our thinking afresh today. Lord, would you help us? Lord, we thank you that you, you know us so intimately well. You know us how we're made. You know us how we think. You know the sort of things that we're prone to worrying about. And God, would you come in? Where, where things got stuck in our thinking, God, would you gently dislodge them? Would you help us to take no thought, God, and not hang on to things, God, that are destructive, patterns of thinking or anxieties, God, would you just come and just, yeah, just fill us with your peace again today, the peace that passes understanding. 
Show us how valuable we are in your sight. Show us how much you love us. Show us how much you will provide for us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let your peace, the peace that passes understanding, come into our heart and mind now. Jesus' name. Jesus' name we pray. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, would you help us to enjoy the present? Help us to enjoy today. Help us to enjoy the moments, God, that you give us. Help us not to be fearful about the future, Father. Help us not to post more from the past, God. Would you help us to be present in the moment, just as you were, and to enjoy every moment you give us, God, every person you give us, every situation you give us, Lord. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, sense of the Lord here today, guys. Just, just take that sense of God, take it home with you. Just, just let it sort of marinate in your heart and your spirit. Particularly if you're someone who does have anxiety, just, just spend some time to be still with the Lord. Just allow Him to give you that reference point back of how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, and then to renew your spirit today. Amen. God bless you, guys. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.